I want my chips with the dip, that's all I know. I don't want my chips plain, I want my chips with the dip. So bring them this. Hey, what's going on, guys? We're back again for another edition of The Dip. We're your hosts, Ben Slykerman and Adam Elder, ready to kick off this episode with some fresh takes of the week, looking at some different situations, some different storylines, performances, and whatnot currently happening here in the league. Going to go ahead and dive into it right away with this Marvin Bagley situation out there in Sacramento. What do you think about that, Adam? You know, it's hard to even have an opinion on it because... <laughs> I mean, why are we to believe that all of a sudden Marvin Bagley is just mad at the Kings, even though he's had injury problems most of his career and hasn't really been able to showcase anything? Like, I don't know. This is his third year in the league, and I can't imagine... I don't know the exact number of games that he's played, but I know it's not very many, so I just... I want to know where he thinks his leverage is coming from. If there's more, like, behind the scenes going on and the Kings are really just that messy of an organization, you know? And it's just... It's hard to tell. Yeah, and then like for his dad to get involved, like his dad is his own person. Like, you know what I mean? Like, exactly, he's not necessarily yeah. spe- speaking for Marvin Bagley, but then like all these media personalities automatically assume that, oh, well, he's speaking for Marvin Bagley, or at least that's the narrative they want to push so they can fucking have a TV show about it. Yeah, exactly, um, yeah. So he's not necessarily speaking for Marvin Bagley, although it does lend you to concern um, to at least think about the possibility, right? Like what if he isn't happy? Uh, But De'Aaron Fox came back uh, and obviously commented on the fact that his dad got involved as well. Cause De'Aaron Fox's dad was like, all right, screw it. Go ahead trade him. You know what I mean? Uh, Cause Mm -hmm. it was after like a poor performance from Bagley uh, in one of their games. But uh, Fox came out and uh, commented on it himself. And he said, I don't think anyone's out here playing basketball, worried about two tweets. And if you are, this ain't what you should be doing because motherfuckers are going to tweet you every day of your life while you're playing in this league. Damn, that's true. So if that's what you're worried about, then I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) That's what he said. I like it. That makes me like the Aaron Fox more. Yeah, yeah, for real. And like, he's obviously saying like, look, I don't, my dad doesn't speak for me either just because my dad said, okay, trade him. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. at the end of the day, that's just two motherfuckers talking on Twitter. (laughs) I mean, for De'Aaron Fox to come out and put out a definitive statement such as that, I mean, I feel like that's that's a good thing for the Kings at the very least in this entire situation is because he wants to put these rumors to rest and let them or show that he's actually far removed from this situation as Marvin Bagley is as well, I suppose. And I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like when you're in the NBA, you're never going to avoid drama. And this is just a piece of that. And I mean... 
De'Aaron Fox is right. You're going to have guys tweeting at you every second that you're in the league. So, I mean, it's just going to happen at some point, you know? Yeah, and speaking of drama, uh, you were saying that you also heard there's some uh, oh yes uh, drama in Atlanta. <laughs> it's just a it's just another young situation where you feel like Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks are in good position to keep growing. Yes, they have obvious fl- flaws in their game, and that's going to keep them from putting out the successful product that we know that they're going to be capable of at some point. But maybe it's going to take them five, six years to really get into their own game and get more refined. Trey Young's in his third year. John Collins is in his fourth year. I mean, I don't think these guys should be expecting to... They're going to challenge themselves to definitely, but they shouldn't realistically be expecting to be fighting amongst the tops of the Eastern Conference, you know? like Not in a postseason setting. Yeah, definitely. Like in a regular season, you may snag some. Yeah, you may snag some wins against you know Brooklyn in the regular season or something like that. But good luck playing them seven games in a row. Right. Same situation as Houston with that isolation ball, one superstar type deal, James Harden bullshit. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you're gonna win some regular season games, but good luck going against a legitimate team for seven games. I mean, the only thing that stands out to me is that. I talk about the Hawks experience that's going to keep them back, but Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are on their fourth and fifth years in the, in the league. So, I mean, and been to the Eastern conference finals and against LeBron too. And Tatum basically leading them in his rookie year. I mean, I don't know. Like it's just, it's hard to say what the Hawks really truly need because on the basketball court, they need to improve their defense a lot and bar none that's the very first thing they need to be working on their offensive creation is getting pretty good and it's getting them a lot of recognition which is why people see so much potential in them because trey young's game could take three four five steps and he really would be that big superstar player you know i mean he's he's shown he's capable of putting up big numbers on a daily basis so why shouldn't we expect him to take a team to the playoffs right i'm not saying that he can't make it to the playoffs because he definitely will probably make it to the playoffs this season. Um, barring no injuries. And as long as this uh, drama that they're allegedly having has uh, worked out between this uh, young core they have. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to make it to the playoffs. I just don't see them as being a legitimate uh, threat to make a deep run. Uh, I don't see Atlanta versus Philly in the Eastern conference finals. I don't see Atlanta versus Brooklyn in the Eastern conference finals. I don't picture that happening (laughs) by Mm -hmm. any means uh personally um i don't know how you would feel well i want to look at the context of both these teams we've been talking about and that's the sacramento kings and the atlanta hawks the atlanta hawks are currently just out of the playoffs i mean the playoffs are a long way away obviously and that's the thing about this episode you have to kind of take everything with a grain of salt because yes it is so early on and but you know what i mean it's fun to see the things develop as they as they do throughout the course of a season. But sometimes guys get off to a bad start and that really does change the whole outlook of their season. Like I kind of feel like the Boston Celtics had that with Kyrie Irving. Like it kind of changed their entire outlook. But um, the Atlanta Hawks are four and four and the Sacramento Kings are also four and four. So they're off to decent starts. They don't look like absolutely atrocious teams. They've had flashes. Yeah, they've had good flashes. And I feel like outside of Fox and 
Bagley, the Kings also have Tyrese Halliburton, who seems to be at least a semi-competent role player. But yeah, it's just it's interesting to see some drama come out of both of these situations because it's so early on in their development. Nobody knows whether they're going to be a hostile or to this point, it seemed like they had always been in sync with their front offices. And now it seems like there's problems that go deeper than just the rotational players, you know? Right. Yeah. And uh, like you said, it's obviously really early. We talked about that in our uh, signer trade episode, as far as uh, taking everything with a grain of salt. I mean, you have to be careful with uh, these takes uh, as you're looking at the situations that are going on. Uh, We try to be fairly unbiased and, don't really try to push the uh, common uh, storylines that like media personalities do. Uh, speaking of injuries, uh, I know you're uh, talking about Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, also, Markel Fultz, man, tearing that ACL. Yeah, that's a that's a huge problem. I watched that happen, man. <laughs> oh, really? And it was a non-contact injury and everything. Yeah, it was. He was driving uh, driving it to the rim and was like going for like a. Uh, drop step or like a euro type step and uh it just i mean you could tell like it popped right there in his knee mm-hmm. and i said like i told uh hannah and andrea my brother-in-law and sister that i was like dude that's a serious injury because he screamed like you could hear you could oh, hear him no. scream like legitimately scream and like my sister was like it's taking a lot longer for him to get off the court i was like yeah because he's actually injured <laughs> like this isn't like he didn't just like twist his knee. I'm like, you could tell that was a yeah. legitimate injury. It reminded me of when uh, Kevin Durant uh, blew the Achilles. Oh, yeah. Yikes. You remember how you could see it like pop? Oh, no. And that's yeah, like, I do remember it that. looked similar to that in like his knee. And I was just like, oh, dude. Uh, like, yeah. Not fun to watch, man. Yeah. You don't want to see not. that. Especially not after like the course his career has taken. Like, exactly. Yeah. That's what, that's what I was thinking about is. Markel Fultz was taken. I mean, you can't say he took a took a complete step forward with the Orlando Magic, but he definitely showed improvements in his game. Like he showed he had actual confidence and might be a somewhat competent shooter. But yeah, he was starting to look pretty decent this season. Yeah, and like just seemed like he was going to be at least a valuable rotation player for the Magic. But that just sucks for him. When I saw that, I was really bummed because. I don't know. So when you see guys that have had that much turmoil early on in their career, you you want to see them turn it around, you know? Right. Have you paid? Have you been following his career for how? I mean, it's been a short career, albeit, but like, I know, I, I know the storyline. Yeah, I know the storyline. You know, weird. I, mean? like, I haven't it's watched weird. a lot of him playing, but I know, I know the situation. See, and I feel like I knew his career wasn't going to start out well because. When he was initially entered, when he initially entered the draft, the Boston Celtics had the number one overall pick, and then the Celtics traded down to number three to the Sixers, mm-hmm. and I forget what they got, but they took Tatum, and the Sixers ended up taking Fultz. So that definitely shifted the... Could you imagine if Tatum was on the the Sixers? Sixers would have been balling out of control. Yeah, they really would be. (laughs) They would have had an elite core from the very beginning because they had Simmons, Tatum, and Embiid. And that would have been an unstoppable team. But Yeah, that's like like taking out Harris and plugging in Tatum in a spot. That would have been scary good. But yeah, 
Sixers took Markel Fultz. And Markel Fultz, like I was saying earlier, he kind of started off on the wrong foot because when he first entered the drafts, the the Celtics had that number one overall pick. So he like tweeted out that he was excited to be a part of the, the Boston Celtics like uh, future and stuff. And that's like, unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cause he was like proud to be a Celtic and stuff coming out. And he was like going to play. I think this was even before like uh, Isaiah Thomas got traded too for Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. So this was the Celtics. They had just, um, they were about to sign Gordon Hayward and trade for Kyrie Irving. So it would have just been Fultz, Brown, and like Isaiah Thomas and Horford on the team. They wouldn't have had any of their good forwards. Right. Would have been rough. But yeah, now it's turned unfortunate because he's had such a devastating injury. But it is what it is sometimes. Yeah, like it definitely sucks. Uh, you never want to see that happen to someone. Uh, I remember remember when KD went down, man, like fans were booing him in Toronto and it was like, that's just like horrible. Obviously there was no fans there um, to react to Markel Fultz, but I react in a slightly horrified manner because <laughs> uh, it was just not fun to watch. Yeah, you could tell he was in not. serious pain. Exactly. Yeah. So sad to see, but uh, it happens. Uh, it's the nature of the league. I mean, Dinwiddie also just had a partial tear in his uh, ACL there a few oh. weeks ago. Uh, so that's obviously horrible too. Did you happen to watch any of the uh, Brooklyn Nets and um, Philadelphia 76ers game last night? I did not. So there's a little dra- a little bit of drama surrounding this game as well. Obviously, we know that Kevin Durant has been out because of a coronavirus um, contract tracing situation. So that is what it is. You're out for the next 10 days at least. And um, Steve Nash was talking to the media before the game and he tells um, reporters that he had just got a text from Kyrie and Kyrie said that he would not be able to play tonight and didn't give Steve Nash a reason either. He just said it was a personal matter. That's interesting. Yeah. (laughs) To say the least. Exactly. I was like, so as soon as Kevin Durant is out, Kyrie Irving's out too. I mean, you kind of wonder maybe Kyrie is maybe Kyrie was near KD because, you know, they are good friends. And if KD was around COVID, I mean, that could be why he's just being weird about it because because he's trying not to have to get tested and stuff, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that either. That would be... That's a Kyrie thing to do. He doesn't even test coronavirus. He doesn't even trust coronavirus testing, (laughs) let alone a vaccine. He's like, hell no, you're not testing me for that. Because the government, all they're doing is putting some microchip up my brain with that long stem that they stick back in your nasal cavity. And the earth like, is flat. <laughs> exactly. Actually, you know what? I am I will not believe any other story except for that one. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes down to the earth being flat for him. Uh, well, this all, this all circles back around to there before the season started when he was on that podcast saying that KD might be the coach or Kyrie might be the coach. You know what I mean? Like he's just talking about like they're making like their own decision. Like, yeah, but do you ever feel like people just don't let them talk shit? I feel like Kyrie is probably just talking shit at that point. Oh yeah. He's definitely like, it's not serious. And people were like, well, Kyrie can't be coached. I'm like, it's pretty (laughs) obvious. This dude is just being a troll right now. You know? 
Yeah, yeah. He's definitely just being a troll, but also he's like, obviously he in his mind thinks he can kind of just like do as he pleases if he's just texting Steve Nash a couple hours before the game saying, yo, I'm out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> true. Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> he obviously feels like he can just make up his own mind and uh, whatever that means for the team. I mean, whether it's good for the team or not, obviously him just sitting out games probably is a, a good thing if he's healthy and able to play, but that's obviously to be determined and what we find out exactly is going on. Uh, hopefully we find out. I don't know if we will. <laughs> he's a Kyrie crazy Irving's, guy. Exactly. Yeah. Kyrie Irving's another one of those players that their career has just taken this weird turn because I was... I remember reading a Reddit thread last night about Kyrie in this situation and somebody said, whatever happened to him? He was like, back in the day, I just knew him because he was a sick baller and lost his girlfriend to the party party next door. <laughs> and I was like, dang, Damn. that's all Kyrie was before too. <laughs> Maybe he's just still salty about that. I would hope not. That's been like seven <laughs> years ago. Uh, Dude's won an NBA championship. Like that would hold he seems like a dude that would hold grudges regardless of how many rings he won. Yeah. That's his big, that's his character flaw right there. <laughs> and well, then speaking, Katie. yeah, and then Katie. Uh, well, speaking of uh, players who are, whose careers have just taken a weird turn, man, how about Austin Rivers and the New York Knicks coming in 13 points, two rebounds, <laughs> two assists, 60% from the field, and 55% from the three point range? Now, that's what's impressive 55% from three. Austin Rivers, baby. Hey, you know what it was? Austin Rivers saying he's true to the game. Turning down his girlfriend's attempt to hang out with him when he's like, no, I got to go to practice. And he's ready to ball, man. He's like, baby, I got to go to practice. He went to New York because he said they needed him, man. And he's, he's showing it. They really, they Where they does his him. ego he's, even come from? They need his Doc Rivers son. That's probably pretty much the sole reason uh, he has an ego. Uh, but good for him, man. I mean, the stat line's good and the percentages are good. And yeah, I respect uh, he was too. making crucial That's... plays in a couple of these games. They're five and three right now. So they're doing pretty good. I actually have uh, stat lines here from uh, some of the top players on the team. I'll go ahead and run through them. Uh, Julius Randle, 23 points, 12 rebounds, seven assists, uh, seven assists. 48% from the field. RJ Barrett, 17 points, seven rebounds, three assists. Alfred Payton, 14 points, four rebounds, five assists, 49% from the field. Uh, so man, that's, that's pretty solid from these guys. Uh, they're looking good. They're five and three. Uh, they're in the playoff picture right now in the East. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's see if they can keep that pace up. I don't know. How do you feel about it, man? I mean, it's. I feel like it's good to see the Knicks succeed at least a little bit because yes, they have been bad for so long. To see them become at least an average team, it's it's good to see. I feel like, um, I don't know, I kind of lost faith in Tom Thibodeau at all for being a competent coach because of the whole situation in Minnesota. But I think that was more... I feel like it's coming out now that Minnesota is just basically its whole culture is off and they need something there but um yeah tom Tibbet, yeah, he's, he's not really... the sole he's not the sole issue that they're a mess. exactly exactly but um i don't know i feel like tom Thibodeau has made some at least decent moves to keep this team in track obviously his defensive acumen really shows for each team that he's on because the knicks are becoming a at least somewhat positive defensive team and i don't know i feel like when it comes to coach Thibodeau too he just shows his dedication in his work. So I feel like 
players at least somewhat want to reciprocate that and you know work a little bit harder than they usually would. And I don't know, maybe that's what's going on for the Knicks right now. They're just they feel like they've had that time off too. And um actually that was um what I had heard Zach Lowe talking about on his last podcast was that a lot of these teams that we're seeing succeed right now are the teams that didn't play for nine months. They have nine months rest coming into this. They're completely healthy. Like Yeah, you you don't wanna you don't wanna jump into it too early. Uh we can't stress that enough. Uh I mean, the Knicks, obviously, they might have a decent regular season. But again, what type of postseason threat are they really going to be? Same thing goes yeah. for the, the Atlanta Hawks, like we already touched on. Uh, but they do have a couple decent wins here in the regular season. Uh, they got one on Brooklyn. Uh, so that's pretty good for their confidence. Uh, they got one team. on Milwaukee, too. They right. beat the yeah. crap out of Milwaukee. Right. So like whether that's just the nine months that they had off, like Zach Lowe said, uh, I mean use that confidence, man. If nothing else, like, mm-hmm. uh, let it feel you. Uh, don't let, don't let it be an excuse that you had nine months off. Just let it be what's helping you ball. That's what I it guess. is. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Take advantage of it. So, uh, these teams seem to be doing that. Uh, Cavaliers are kind of in that same, uh, realm. Colin Sexton freaking balling hard right now. Um, they're having some issues, uh, here or there though, obviously. Uh, but do you know like this the- are showing good flashes? Yeah, exactly. Do you know what the craziest stat about the Cavs is, though? What's that? When you asked me to look up those uh, advanced statistics for teams on the NBA.com mm-hmm. website, guess who the number one rated defensive efficiency team is? It's, it's the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, lots of, lots of deflections, lots of steals. That's awesome. I mean, I'm glad to yeah. see them at least have a streak of great defensive potential because they definitely seemed like that was not going to be their strong suit at all the last, what, three years? So me and Andrew have been watching their games quite a bit, following them. Uh, it's actually one of the teams I'm following closest this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they play they play fast. Uh, they run off a lot of uh, steals and deflections uh, like that. They mm-hmm. like to force turnovers and just run. Uh, Sexton, he's so fast. Uh, so in transition, they're pretty scary. Um, his best, his best uh, ability is finishing at the rim off of a transition. Uh, so it's impressive really? to watch uh, when they're in rhythm. Um, but then when they're out of rhythm, it's really rough. Andre Drummond puts the ball on the floor, and I about Ugh. puke. Uh, but hey, man, when he's uh, locked in on defense, you know what I mean, and he's just uh, working for uh, putbacks and stuff like that, and lobs and. Uh, just uh, powering through on some slams at the rim if he's got a good uh, uh, mismatch. You know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, and see, that's but when he that puts has... a ball on the floor, it's just like, ooh, it's rough. <laughs> when yeah. he actually tries yeah, to like, I don't move, know. move around. I'm like, why are you doing that? <laughs> exactly. I don't know why he thinks that he is that kind of player because he's definitely not. Like <laughs> him putting the ball on the floor, like you said, it's kind of atrocious at times and it really costs the Cavs possessions. But, uh, so you've been watching a lot of their games a lot this season then. So what would you say Collins said? Is, is there anybody that he, you think he really compares to in the NBA in types of game style? Do you think that he's trying to just make his own lane? Do you think he's like his kind of own player? Because yes, he is just an undersized scorer, but it seems like he has elite scoring ability. I see it's tough to say what his ceiling's actually going to be, especially because he's just kind of a smaller guard. Uh, and smaller guards, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of impressive smaller guards, but like 
he's going to have to create more of a dynamic dynamic game, uh, obviously, in order to evolve uh, into mm-hmm. uh, a bigger role uh, as a star on a legitimate contending team. Um, and the Cle- Cleveland Cavaliers are far from that, just to be clear in my opinion. Like, uh, again, been a finish from nine months off, um, not to discredit that uh, from them, but it is what it is. And I just don't actually see him being, you know, like, a top three guy on a championship team, at least not for the next two or three years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, That's fair. It's going to take him, it's going to take him some time. uh, And obviously it's going to take a lot of effort. And I don't know if he will get to that point. Uh, It would be nice to see him get from that point because I enjoy watching him as a player, but like right now his game is limited uh, and not consistent enough. Um, He also, uh, I mean, he turns the ball over. I feel like, uh, in some critical situations that I've seen, uh, but he's also mm-hmm. made some clutch shots that I've seen too. So like you have that, you have those flashes, um, but it's tough to say right now what his ceiling's truly going to be, um, but he's fun to watch. I'll say that. He's definitely mm-hmm. fun to watch. Well, I mean, I that's great he's for the elite. Cavs then because, yeah, definitely, maybe not elite, but not in like, not like an elite score. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know if he's what's his scoring average right now. I feel like it's in the high twenties. Yeah, no, uh, I think it's like twenty six points right now. But I'm saying like that's an early start. Like, let's see how this season goes. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, we're yeah, not even a month in. It's seventeen days in, so we gotta we gotta be easy with these takes. But uh, I like to watch it. Like, I enjoy seeing it for the Cavs, like you said. Yeah, because I mean, he is only. He's 22 years old. He's got a lot of way to go. He's got like five to six more years to really figure it out where his career is going to go. So, I mean, he should just keep doing what he's doing because he shows that he has great offensive potential and right. is really cashing in on that potential right now. So, yeah, it's good to see for the Cavs. You hope he really just becomes a good bolster part of their future because it's been for sure. sad some years. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, post post LeBron it's been pretty rough um to say the least. Uh so we're talking a lot about the east here man. I want to go ahead and hop over to the west. Uh last night I watched uh the Spurs versus the Lakers and holy shit dude. The San Antonio Spurs blew the Lakers off the court. But they were hot from 3. They were extremely hot from 3. It was ridiculous. Remember, it was like the second quarter and they were shooting 75% from three. Yeah. It's like yeah, well I remember into the second quarter. I Good see, I didn't Lord. watch any of this game and I watched the end of the Spurs and Lakers game the other night and the Lakers had a pretty good grip on that game. But, you know, Keldon Johnson had like his career high game. I think he scored like 24 points or something. But I mean, the Spurs didn't seem like they were going to be a bad team, but Last night, for some reason, they just had the Lakers number and they were absolutely putting up numbers on them. Yeah, they finished out with 45, uh, 45% from three, 46% from the field. Um, but man, it was just for through the first half from uh, behind the arc, it was crazy. Like yeah. they were not missing a single shot they put up. <laughs> and it was just, it was just catch and shoot nonstop. Uh, there was even some pull up threes too, but like a lot of catch and shoot and they were just in rhythm. Um, Anthony Davis and LeBron James looked defeated at one point, even though James still registered, registered 27 points, 12 assists, six rebounds. Uh, Davis came in at 23 points, three assists, 10 rebounds, um, both playing right around 35 minutes a game. Uh, 
but they just looked defeated uh, mm-hmm. throughout most of that game because Spurs, the Spurs dominated that game. I mean, from the jump, they had like uh, a 10, a 10 2 run, maybe something like that, uh, right, right to start off the game. So they were just rolling immediately and they just kept that gap for the majority of the game. At one point in the third quarter, Lakers got it within two points, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. but they just couldn't get over that hump. And uh, the Spurs found their rhythm again, uh, created the gap once more, and they just held on to it for the rest of the game. And I mean, it was entertaining to watch. It sucks as a Lakers fan, but like, just as like a fan of basketball, I was like, holy shit, you got to give respect to this because these guys are just balling right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So shouts out to San Antonio for that dub because it was a fun game to watch. It's impressive to say the least when San Antonio can go off. And I've always kind of hoped that San Antonio would have a small amount of resurgence because Greg Popovich is in his last years in the NBA. I feel like he'll probably retire within the next three to four years. So I just hope this is his last chance to get at least, you know, an above average team out there that can compete in the playoffs. So I hope the Spurs start to kind of turn in that direction. I was kind of thinking that I was like, what if this is like his ride out into the sunset season? And these guys like already know that, like maybe they've had that discussion. Like maybe he's going to retire after this season. I just, he's, he's pretty mm, yeah. old at this point. I was like, what if they just had this talk? Like let's get him back in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Cause like he missed the playoffs last year for like the first time in a while. Right. Yeah. The first time in like 20 years. Right. So what if they were just like, Hey, this is his last season. Let's just ball as hard as we can. Let's keep this core together This for one last ride. You know what I mean? Let's not trade DeRozan. Mm-hmm. Let's not trade Aldridge. Let's not trade Rudy Gay. Let's just keep it together for one more ride. At least try mm-hmm. to birth a playoff run for Pop. Exactly. I would like, love to see them have that identity. That would make right. them one of my favorite teams. Because it's just like a, like a respect thing to, to mm-hmm. Popovich. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Obviously, we're just reaching here and assuming that might be what's going on, but we don't really know. <laughs> uh, it's fun to watch, though. <laughs> yeah. So uh, changing gears here a little bit. Last night, another great match with the Denver Nuggets against the Dallas Mavericks. Luka Doncic against Nikola Jokic, both putting up 38 points going into overtime. Juggernauts. Mavericks, exactly. The Mavericks pull away. But I don't know. Are you worried about the Nuggets right now? Or do you think that the Mavericks are starting to come into their own? Uh, I think Luka's starting to come into his own and the Mavericks are falling into place around him just to put it straight up. Uh, Mm -hmm. Obviously, because he's just the centerpiece of that offense. He's uh, pretty much the main reason they were like the most efficient offense of all time last season. Uh, Obviously, you had guys like Seth Curry, but it was because he was getting so many open looks from Luca and he was just mm-hmm. cashing the hell out of them. Uh, so with Luca not playing up to, up to par uh, with his uh, normal pace uh, here early to start the season, uh, obviously they were just struggling. Seems to be that he's finding his groove now, uh, playing himself into shape. We've already said that a million times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love to see it as a fan of Luca. I did not watch that game last night. Uh, I did see the stats though. And like you said, it was Nikola Jokic and Luca just throwing punches at each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sounds like uh, it. So yeah. It's a fun Western conference matchup. Uh, it's entertaining. Um, good, good early season matchup. I would say. Yeah. I mean, the nuggets, they're kind of not where they should be. They, they're not having a great start to the season to, to say the least. They're at, three and five right now and some more drama surrounding NBA players. Michael Porter jr. Was allegedly seen out playing basketball at a public gym 
when he's supposed mm-hmm. to be out on uh, coronavirus <laughs> um, mm-hmm. quarantine. And he may have to suffer sitting out another 10 days. So uh, he's been out. F- that'll put him out for at least 20 days in total. So, so that's where this gets interesting because uh, I think that could kind of kick us into um, some some trade mm-hmm. ideas that we had for a certain uh, Bradley Beal because the Denver Nuggets was one of these... Uh, uh, possible trade ideas that I had um, considering how poorly the Washington Wizards are doing right now. Uh, and obviously the conversation uh, when you start talking about Beal being traded and potential suitors, uh, I think Dem- Denver is in that conversation. Uh, the obvious question is, would you be willing to give up Michael Porter Jr.? Uh, seems to be acting up. He's had some issues before with speaking to the media uh, and just catching uh, catching heat for that in, uh, in terms of what he was saying. Uh, now this, where he's violating the protocol. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he could be on uh, a trade uh, table at this point considering um, mm-hmm. those issues they're having with him. Uh, and he just seems to, I don't know, his minutes that he's been getting, he seems to just be like not worried about the rest of the team and more worried about his identity as a superstar. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't know what uh, detriment to the team that will be. Uh, so I had a trade uh, pulled up here for uh, Bradley Beal. Um, and this would be landing Bradley Beal in uh, Hachimura in Denver. Um, and Washington would be picking up Gary Harris, Will Barton, and Michael Porter Jr. It works per the salaries and whatnot. Uh, I'm not sure about the draft capital that both of these teams have, uh, but you can see what would happen. That is so funny, dude, because I am sitting here looking at the exact same trade on my phone and I was sitting there getting ready to say something about how they should get Hachimura out of this. That's so funny. You had the exact same players. I feel like, and you're obviously on the same page as me, that's what it's going to take. And that's a fair deal for the Wizards because the weakest link in this, when it comes down to it, is Harris. Harris has been a question on offense for a while now, and it's kind of sad to see because he's taken a big regression in shooting. And you kind of wonder what his value is anymore. So the Nuggets get rid of him. They replace him with Brad Beal. Obviously, that elevates their team so much. But I feel like it's fair that the Nuggets ask for Hachimura, even though the Wizards probably have a lot of... They have a lot of stock put into Hachimura. You know what I mean? He seems like a player that has good potential. He's a young piece. Mm-hmm, exactly. And and that's why Denver that's would value them gets, too because they're giving up Michael Porter Jr. So obviously they would want somewhat of a younger piece. Obviously Hachimura is probably not on the same level as Porter, uh, but it's, it's something. <laughs> you had to get something back other than mm-hmm. just Beal. And I feel like Washington has to accept at this point that they're probably just going to have to be a rebuilding team because Tank. it's not looking it's not looking good with with Russ and Beal. I feel like any hope of them really having a playoff run together is probably gone at this point. Russ mm-hmm. just looks awful and Beal is essentially carrying the team. Obviously, we watched him put up 60 points the other night and they still lost. Yeah, Their defense it's sad. is atrocious. I mean, the one thing that they should be asking for in return is some kind of defensive stability. And I mean, you're not getting much with Porter Jr. or Barton, but Harris, he's going to at least be average on that end. So that helps them a bit, at least from a guard standpoint, I feel like. And I don't know. I feel like Barton in Washington would probably be at least an okay fit because he can definitely fit into a fast paced 
scoring heavy offense and he'd probably take on a decent load for them. And then obviously, yeah, Porter Jr. He's going to be able to step right into a role there in Washington. And I mean, it's, that would be the best possible outlook for Washington anyways, is that they're going to get a young superstar that's going to come into his own. Right. I mean, the thing is, is that I've heard Zach Lowe time again, say that the nuggets need to hold out on trading anyone from this core and just see what they can get from Porter Jr. once he comes past all these personal issues and stuff. But I just don't know how many more times they're going to have to encounter a situation like this before they actually start wondering what the potential is going to be. Is he right. going to move past them? Yes, he is very he's a very young player. And we've we've known time and again that guys usually don't get it figured out to like their third, fourth, fifth year. So I mean this is his second season. So, I mean, and maybe they can hold on to this core, maybe, but Brad Beal is only two years older than Nikola Jokic. He basically fits right right into their timeline, and that would really make the Nuggets a contender, I feel like. They're a contender right now, and they showed it. Yeah, exactly. You start uh, start looking at, uh, like, who wins and who loses in this uh, situation, and per John Hollinger's uh, analysis on the trade machine, uh, the Wizards drop six wins, and... uh, the Nuggets add seven wins. Uh, so the Wizards aren't losing much in terms of record. I mean, what are you going to win? 25 games? Mm-hmm. So now you're going to win, what, 20 games? Like That's important to some teams, though. I mean, but <laughs> I just, they I don't should know. be looking just, for that high draft pick right now. Right. So I don't I I would I would drop the five wins uh or the six wins in my opinion. Uh you pick up a young piece like Porter Jr. like you were saying. Obviously Denver is having issues with him in terms of his personal life, but uh Washington's in a worse situation. Maybe you just need to take the risk. I think your uh your need to take a risk is probably a little bit more in Washington. Uh Bradley Beal fits great with the timeline, like you said. Uh him and Nikola Jokic right on par there with age. Uh so they could be legitimate contenders for a couple of years here. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I would personally, I would really love to see that trade. That's the, out of the whole, you know, Bradley Beal saga. That would be where I want to see him land most. But um, moving on to my second trade here. I don't know if this is, this is probably the most unlikely. Actually, no, I have pretty... two pretty unlikely trades here, but um, this is where it starts to get sketchy, but I put down golden state trades for Bradley Beal and gives up Andrew Wiggins. Oof. I definitely don't think that's going to happen because Andrew, (laughs) Andrew Wiggins has looked awful. There'd have to be draft capital all over that big time, big time. And I could almost see the wizards asking for Wiseman. Yeah. Yeah, honestly. Maybe trading Thomas Bryant too. Like the Wizards trade Beal and Thomas Bryant and the Wizards get in return Andrew Wiggins and uh, James Wiseman. And Wiseman Mm -hmm. looks good. Wiseman looks good. Have you watched him at all? Uh, Yeah, I've seen the highlights. I haven't actually paid attention to him because that's just a rough team to watch. (laughs) Uh, To put it frankly. Sort of, yeah. They've had bad stretches, but... I know he's had his moments though. Lately, lately they've been putting it together and that's because Draymond's back, but yeah, they haven't looked mm-hmm. completely awful. They're actually back to, they've gone on a little run here with Draymond back. So, I mean, they're kind of getting back well, into pace, I guess. 
Right. And the the Warriors would definitely do that trade, right? You know what I mean? Like, in my opinion, the Warriors would jump all over that. Um, the Wizards oh, yeah, would be definitely. the ones that are out on in this situation. Like, uh, mm-hmm. you plug Beal into that offense next to Curry, and you're damn near right there where you were with Clay, except you're not having the same impact on the defensive end of the floor um, from right, Beal yeah. as you would from Clay. Uh, but in terms of offense, uh, you guys are going to be right back in it. Mm hmm. I mean, their offense would be scary with Beal, Draymond, and Curry. I mean, that's that's scary. And then Clay comes back and is what maybe seventy-five to eighty percent of what he once was. You put Clay in at the three. Good lord. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. That's scary. Right back there, throwing punches with the elite teams. They'd probably stand out as the elite team. But, um, yeah, I just that would be a hard trade to swing. There. I mean, the only reason I got it to work was because Andrew Wiggins is making an absurd amount of money. He's making as much money as Bradley Beal is, which is absurd. But I mean, right. yeah, just a straight up swap for those two. Um, what was your other trade? Uh, well, I had two more, uh, but I'll hit uh, my one for Brooklyn because we already uh, talked about Brooklyn Ooh, a little bit. Um, the issues that they're having. Uh, uh, we also mentioned uh, a couple of episodes ago about Dinwiddie uh, having his injury. We talked about it a little bit today as well. Uh, and I was looking into like like the rules about like trading uh, injured players, and like apparently you're you're usually allowed to trade injured players. Um, it's just a two K myth uh, that you can't. <laughs> it's it a two K myth. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't yeah. allow you. It doesn't allow you to do it in two K. <laughs> uh, so my trade for Brooklyn was uh, Bradley Beal to Brooklyn. Uh, Wizards pick up Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie. I think that's the obvious two pieces that would go in a trade. Uh, mm-hmm. For Bradley Beal, maybe they would want Allen. I don't know. Uh, I doubt Brooklyn would give up Allen because uh, then you're kind of weak at the center rotation. Uh, so you definitely want, would want to hang on to Allen. Um, Dinwiddie uh, being injured, uh, if you're allowed to trade him. Uh, Washington, I don't know how how willing they would be to pick up an injured player like that. Uh, mm-hmm. But I also don't know how Brooklyn feels about him and whatnot, truly. So... Uh, it's all all hypothetical. Uh, Karis LeVert, though, in my opinion, is not that impressive. Um, doesn't seem to be making that great of an impact uh, from the minutes that I've seen from him. Takes a lot um, of silly shots. Uh, so I, I, I wouldn't. He- I don't think Brooklyn would hesitate to move off of him if a, a good deal was there. I wouldn't say exactly that Karis LeVert isn't having some success because he's looked last night. He looked great, but then again, he was getting those crazy shots to go down. Because yes, he does take a lot of mid-range floaters and sometimes they just look terribly off and then last night he was getting him to go. So it's just a different flip in the script. But yeah, I feel like... Uh, I I don't know if that trade... I feel like if Brooklyn's going to make a trade for anyone, it's Harden at this point. You know, They're not going to try to go for a Brad Beal. They want somebody that's a bona fide superstar. You know what I mean? Somebody that's shown that they can carry a team themselves to the playoffs. And right. it doesn't seem like Brad Beal is on the same level as Harden. But then again, how many players are on the same level as Harden? What, four? But um, I don't know. It's just uh, I don't see Brooklyn taking any kind of trade unless it's going to be that swing for the fences, James Harden player. And see, I don't and- know. I just don't see Brooklyn making a move at all. I think yeah. Brooklyn's going to keep this core completely together. They're not making any moves because one, I don't think Harden wants to get back together with D'Antoni and vice versa. And I don't know. I just, I think that they really need to 
stay focused and just keep on the Kyrie KD and then keep them happy because they have their friends on the team as well. So yeah. And the league, the league is full of duos right now. Duos seem to be uh, the the hot thing. Um, Obviously Mm -hmm. the Lakers just won with a dynamic dynamic duo. Uh, How about you go ahead and uh, uh, hit me with your uh, last trade there? Yeah. The last trade I had was to the Philadelphia 76ers. And I think if the Sixers want to get any kind of deal, they're going to have to give up a lot. And this was the deal that I had going through on ESPN's trade machine. Bradley Beal for Danny Green, Curry, and Tyrese Maxey. Okay. Interesting. I feel like they're going to have to give up that much. Like... uh, Touching on that game that I saw again last night, the only kind of offense that was really working the best was when Tyrese Maxey was just out there controlling the offense and they were running like Maxey, Milton, and like Harris or Theibel. And that lineup mm-hmm. was actually pretty decent. It was actually working well. Granted, that Milton's was been balling hard. Yeah, he has. He's not shooting well from three at all, but he's getting to the line pretty well. And Maxey looks like he's a great player because he's got a pretty good, like, uh, he shoots a lot of long twos. And personally, I mean, I feel like if you're going to make that, then you have to just let the guys shoot it. And mm-hmm. he seems like he's capable of making it. But then again, why not just take the two steps back and hit the three? Like right. just expand your game out that farther. But yeah, if the if Philadelphia wants Beal, they're going to have to give up a lot. And I feel like that's the deal that's going to get them Beal. <laughs> yeah. And you know what though? Like, Holy shit, that team would be scary because uh, let me hit you with some stats from uh, the Sixers right now that I had in my notes here. Uh, Joel Embiid, uh, 24 points, 11 rebounds, 3 assists, uh, 50, 52% from the field, 45% from 3. Uh, early MVP candidate uh, automatically. Uh, I mean, the dude's just locked in right now. Uh, mm-hmm. They're 10th in offense, 9th in defense. Uh, Tobias Harris, 19 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. Uh, 50% from the field, uh, 44% from three. Uh, Shake Milton, 13 points, eight rebounds, seven assists, 50% from field. Uh, ben Simmons, 14 points, one rebound, three assists, and 45% from the field. So, like, these guys are playing hard. So, Buell mm-hmm. would be walking into a uh, a good situation, <laughs> regardless exactly, of the yeah. players that Sixers are sacrificing. Like, you put Embiid, Simmons, and them together, like, holy shit. Exactly. Yeah. I yeah. Have a, these last two trades that I have here, I just, I do not have a lot of faith in them. It's just, I feel like the most realistic one we have here is the Denver trade because there's equal value being traded outside of the Harris for Beal section. Mm-hmm. But my final trade know. was, uh, my final trade was for the Miami Heat. Uh, I had the Heat dropping Igadala, Kelly Olenek, and Tyler Harrow. Uh, and then uh, the Heat would pick up uh, Bradley Beal and Hachimura. So, uh, similar to that first trade we had for, uh, Denver, um, mm. Harrow or Duncan's got to go. Um, I think teams would value Harrow more than Duncan, um, personally in terms of what his ceiling could be. Uh, so right. I think Harrow would be the, uh, desired piece for Washington. Uh, you drop Olenek, who's a decent, decent rotation player, uh, had some flashes in the, uh, postseason for them in the bubble. Uh, Iguodala is a veteran, uh, rotation player as well. Uh, probably on a decline, uh, to some degree. Uh, but could help nonetheless uh, when you're already rough <laughs> as it is. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Uh, and Bradley Beal, uh, you put him next to Jimmy Butler and uh, Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo, like that's going to be a really good core. And mm-hmm. and I think that puts them as a legitimate threat. Again, I I, I see them as being a bit of a fake <laughs> a fake team right now in terms of actually uh, contending in the postseason. But if they had Bradley Beal, man, uh, that's definitely scary. would take them that next level. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as yeah, long as would... everything worked together, like that would be that would be impressive, and uh, it'd be a tough trade to get done because um, they probably really value Tyler Harrow, but uh, mm-hmm. it'd be really interesting. Yeah, it would it would be interesting to see. And the thing is, is that I feel like we've all picked situations where Bradley Beal is going to thrive in too. And um, I had two different trades that I was trying out, but never did find a resolution for. I was trying to get Beal to either. Um, Milwaukee or Toronto? I thought about Toronto too, but I I also couldn't get anything figured out. Right. Because what it came down to was the Raptors would have to trade either Siakam or Kyle Lowry. And I feel like they don't want to trade either of those guys. Well, and you can't really want to pair Kyle Lowry with uh, Russell Westbrook. Like, ew. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. My God. That would be such a weird, that's such a weird pairing. Yeah, that'd be disgusting. <laughs> uh, disgusting. Yeah, it'd just be horrible. Uh, but yeah, the Bradley Beal situation is interesting because of how uh, how rough uh, Washington's situation has been. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, I know you had some uh, notes on the Sixers. Uh, we've been talking a lot about them. Uh, did you want to go ahead and touch on that? I mean, last night, I, that was really the first Sixers game that I have sat down and watched. And... They're just a sloppy team is what it comes down to. Granted, I did realize about three quarters of the way through the game that they were playing on the second night of a back-to-back. So, I mean, it's just, it is what it is. The Sixers just looked terrible last night. I mean, they had played Washington Wizards and Bradley Beal the night before. Bradley Beal had gone on for 60 and both teams combined for like 260 points. And... I don't know. I guess you can cut them some slack a little bit, but they just they're still really seven and two last night. Yeah, they have a great record, but last night I feel like showed that they have a lot of potential for flaws in their game when they're not on, and they just couldn't get anything going last night. Brooklyn was playing without any of their stars, and they kind of gassed up Philadelphia. So mm-hmm. Brooklyn's secondary guys were balling out. Joe Harris and Karis LeVert were basically carrying the team. It was impressive right. to watch. And Allen was having a good game too. Mm. There was a couple of times though where Joel Embiid got the ball and he was just so slow. Like he just seemed like he was purposely being slow. Like even just taking the ball up on layups. So maybe he just wasn't too locked in uh, last night, but he's still uh, putting up an impressive stat line right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, and their record's obviously good. So uh, credit to Doc there uh, for uh, improving that situation here at the jump. Uh, but obviously there's still some uh, kinks they need to work out. Like you're saying, they just weren't really in it last night. Uh, how about the Suns though? I know you've, uh, you want to talk about them a little bit too. Uh, I've been watching their games uh, fairly casually, uh, but still paying attention as Devin Booker is on my fantasy team. Uh, and they're a fun team mm-hmm. to watch. And I think they're a legitimate threat this year with Chris Paul. Um, 
Devin Pogers putting up 21 points, four rebounds, four assists, 48% from the field. Mikhail Bridges, 14 points, five rebounds, one assist, 46% from the field, 45% from three. DeAndre Ayton, 13 points, 11 rebounds, one assist, and 58% from the field. Uh, these guys are plus 50 with Devin Booker and the bench. That's so crazy. Devin Booker and the bench is crazy together, <laughs> is what that means. I just, I, I love to see that Chris Paul has made such an impact for this team. Mm-hmm. And that he's still capable of changing the entire landscape. I mean, granted, I haven't watched very many of the Suns games this year, and I'd like to, but I don't know. I feel like, uh, I don't want to disrespect them in any, <laughs> like, they just seem like they're an interesting team. I think it's going to be interesting as the season develops to see if they keep this pace because uh, they're six and two right now. Uh, they're number one in the West. Uh, they're right above uh, the Clippers and the Lakers who are tied at six and three. Um, so I, I, I like you am impressed with Chris Paul uh, to just be able to continue to compete on um, legitimate teams. Uh, to go into Phoenix where they have a, a solid young core and to fit in and to adapt and to uh, help the help them grow. Um, you can already see the effect he has. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what their uh, uh, plus minus is with uh, like Paul in the bench, but I know it's still positive. Mm-hmm. Obviously, their that plus minus with Booker in the bench was crazy, uh, but I know it's still positive with Paul. It's not as high as that, uh, but they're still doing well with him. Uh, so he's able to adapt to this young core and uh, just fit in and and help them elevate their games, which is fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, bravo to them. Hopefully, they keep it up for their sakes. Uh, I would I would love to see them finish in the top top five, uh, maybe even the top three in the East. Uh, I think it would be fun and uh, a playoff berth for them and since they've had a drought for a while. Definitely, yeah. I'd like to see the Suns back in the playoffs and competing, especially with... You hope at this age in his career, Chris Paul can maybe close the book on his lack of playoff success, but does that mean they go all the way and win the title? I don't know. That's what I kind of feel like the... Suns are probably whispering about in the locker room this year is maybe we can compete for a title this year. Yeah, uh, I could see them. I could see their ceiling if they keep this pace up being the Western Conference Finals. I don't see them making making it out of the Western Conference though. So mm. personally, yeah. Like I, I just I don't I don't see them legitimately legitimately making it out of the Western Conference. Uh, obviously, um, it's tough to say uh, at this early. Uh, but speaking of teams uh, that might legitimately make it out of the Western Conference, someone who I thought could make it out of the Western Conference but is looking pretty poor, Portland Trailblazers. Uh, they're just figuring stuff out right now. That's Dude, I have been bad. watching the Blazers they get run over on defense pretty easily. A lot of their guys, for some reason, they just, I, well, They're I don't giving know. up it's everything. Just, it, it comes down to rotation because for some reason, Stotts keeps putting um, Mello and Cantor on the floor at the same time and Hood, and they just get eviscerated on defense. They give up everything. And like, yes, they, they can score. And Cantor has been great scoring this season. And it's, you like to see it, but, I don't know. They just, they are getting absolutely flattened on defense. And sometimes they just, they go cold on offense as well. So 
I know we definitely were hyping them up a lot this offseason, but they just, they're not clicking on all cylinders yet. And Nurkic does not look good at all. It's no, sad to see. Um, he looks so unaggressive. Yeah, he's right back to his old ways. I feel like like nothing changes in his game. Um, you keep wanting him to be more aggressive, and it just doesn't happen. Um, it continues to be the same issue. Uh, like you're saying, there's a lot of rotation issues. Uh, Stott cannot mm-hmm. find uh, find out what works here. Uh, they're giving up a lot on defense. Uh, you pretty much just take whatever you want from them. Uh, I think they're, what, 4-4 four and four right now? Yeah, that's what they are. Last night, yeah. they had a good tune-up game because they played Minnesota, who seems to be the worst team in the league. So Trash. Can't they absolutely that beat as up dub. on Minnesota and looked good. So, I mean, I feel like it was the kind of the game that they needed because they, they have had a rough schedule, I guess. I don't know. It's been average because, I mean, they did lose to the Bulls the other night and they had a lead on the Bulls too. And the Bulls have not seemed like a great team. So, I don't know. Portland's got a lot of questions right now. They just, they kind of need to figure it out. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of question marks there. Um, I, I, I'm concerned. Um, Dame Lillard's still uh, balling hard. CJ McCollum's still balling hard. But once again, uh, this is in the postseason situation. Those can't be your only options. Uh, we, we saw what happens when Dame Lillard is trying to carry the entire offense on his back in a mm-hmm. playoff series. It, it didn't pan out. <laughs> he ended up getting dinged up because he was playing too damn hard. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, it's it's sad to see that they're starting off this rough uh, with the expectations that we had for them, but hopefully they can get it figured out. Uh, I didn't really have any other teams here I I, I needed to discuss. Uh, no other real takes. I don't know if you had anything else today uh, of importance here. Yeah, one more thing. You know who's the best... NBA, who the best shooter in the NBA is from three point statistically through this, what, nine games that have been played? Uh, Alec I'm gonna, Burks I'm gonna, of the New York Knicks. Who is it? Alec Burks of the New York Knicks. He's shooting 66% from three. Damn. Shouts out to New York. Going to regress, I feel like. Sorry, Alec Burks. <laughs> well, and like teams are shooting really poorly against them from three, too. Uh, I can't mm-hmm. remember what the percentage is, but like it's like the lowest percentage in the league. Like teams just cannot make threes against the New York Knicks, and I don't think it's actually because of their defense. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> teams just I don't know. Hold against them for some reason. That's funny. yeah. I, I think it's honestly circumstantial <laughs> right now. <laughs> I don't think that's how it's going to be. Just like Alec Burks is not going to be the three point uh, percentage leader at the end of the uh, season. Uh, Teams will start hitting their threes against the New York Knicks. Just, just give it time. It's gonna yeah. happen. Well, sad to say for the Knicks, but that seems to be their uh, trajectory over the last twenty years. Here comes Austin Rivers. <laughs> Austin Rivers for most improved player. Hey, you know what? To close out this show, I think it's time that we 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 lay we lay that to rest officially. I know we were talking about uh, doing it in Snapchat and switching gears. I don't want to reveal what we will be switching gears to, but I don't know if anyone, if you listen to our intro, you'll notice that we have uh, a little jab at Austin Rivers uh, in a clip from uh, a play where he was bringing the ball up the court and he went to dribble behind his back and he completely tripped and fell on the floor. Uh, his dad watching on in shame. Uh, it was a game against the Houston Rockets. So we put that clip in our intro. Uh, it's just all for fun. Uh, we really don't have any le- 
ill will towards Austin Rivers. Uh, it was just honestly all in good fun. But we're gonna we're gonna lay him to rest. Uh, we're no longer gonna pick on him. We're gonna add something new into the intro. Uh, so stay tuned for that because uh, I don't want to reveal it now. But I think you guys will enjoy it. Yeah, buddy. Austin Rivers laid to rest. <laughs> he had a good run, man. He had a good run on the intro. So basically, Austin Rivers, we're done picking on you. Yeah, we're laying off. All righty, that pretty much wraps it up uh, for us today. Uh, go ahead and engage with us on Twitter at PodDip and on Instagram at the Dip Pod. As always, we are looking forward to hearing from you and your opinions on our uh, podcast and our takes that we like to uh, post to social media. Um, so uh, stay engaged, uh, download, share, and enjoy our episodes. And we appreciate all of you. All of them. Peace.